All right. Well, welcome and glad to see all of you this morning. For those of you that I haven't got to meet yet, my name's Todd. I'm one of the pastors here and love being with our Port Clinton Chapel family uh, each weekend. And a few things that we want to let you know about, remind you about before we dive into the truth of God's Word together. Um, and one of those things, obviously, Spencer already mentioned, Christmas Eve, it's coming. Uh, we are close. And uh, we have multiple services that we're offering uh, in two days. So even on Christmas Eve's Eve, okay, you can come and on that evening. For I know for a lot of people, they've got to travel on Christmas Eve day or whatever and get off to family. And so uh, that's a great option as well on Friday night at 6 p.m. and then uh, four services right here. So We'll have plenty of room, but we want to fill the room. And so we want to invite you to invite a friend to Christmas Eve. Um, when you leave today, I think we've got enough for at least one per family. Um, how many of you are drinking some chapel coffee right now? I see you. All right. You got you know, you, you to stay awake somehow during the sermon or whatever. So, uh, hey, um, we'll, we want to give you a, a packet of chapel coffee, and on it is a sticker that's an invitation to Christmas Eve, a great thing, a tool. Just, you know, at, at Christmas, it's one of the number one times that people that maybe would never normally step foot in the doors of a church might be open to giving it a chance. And you could be the, you could be the person that makes that invite. What do we, I mean, what do we have to lose? Hey, it's Christmas Eve. We're, I'm going to go to our, our services. Would you want to come? Here's the info. Man, enjoy a pot of coffee. And uh, just, just make the ask. Make the invite. Um, I can't wait to see. You know, there's a lot of people in our community that they don't know that we're here as the chapel family yet. And uh, it, we're still being discovered. And, and you are the advertising. Your life, your, the, the change, the joy that you find in coming to this place, in your family being ministered to, in growing in faith, uh, you, you are the advertisement. And uh, so take your opportunity and, and invite a friend to come with us to um, Christmas Eve uh, this, this Christmas, all right? In light of that, because we're going to have so many people uh, coming through the doors. We want to be prepared when it comes to volunteers. And uh, if all of our normal chapel family would just say, you know what, I want to attend one and serve one. Of course, we want everybody to come in and just have your Christmas Eve moment as an individual or as a family or with a group of friends and light the candles and take in the, the, the moments. But we also need people to step up and say, you know what, so many people are coming. I'll help out. What do you need? Uh, greeting at the doors, help making coffee, working with kids. You know, um, we've got 10 spots that we could use. And this, this is a great opportunity even for families. You just bundle up and you could be out in the parking lot with signs saying, we're so glad you're here. We want those first time guests to just feel like, oh my gosh, this, they, they, they were ready for us. They've been waiting for us. Uh, and you as a family could sign up to serve as an outdoor greeter and hold signs and just wave people in and make them uh, be the first touch of Jesus uh, to their lives as they come to Christmas Eve. And so if you want to sign up to serve, you can text the word Christmas to the number that's on the screen. That's also in your worship program. Or you can stop right out at the work, uh, uh, Welcome Center, see Myra or one of the team members out there and just say, hey, w- what do you need? Put me in. I'd like to help, and uh, you can be a part of helping somebody else have an incredible uh, Christmas Eve experience, okay? 
Um, finally, uh, a couple weeks ago, we handed out our uh, chapel annual report. And if you didn't receive one of these, there's extras over at the Welcome Center. I know, I think we ran out last week. Um, and and uh, if you'd like one, I'd encourage you to stop by, ask for the annual report. It's filled with um, stories, statistics, numbers, and, and we always say behind every statistic is a, is a story. It's a person. There's a name. There's a life change. Um, and uh, and you'll, you'll just find um, in here also some very transparently, like, okay, when people give so generously to the chapel, how are those resources being used? Um, we want to honor you in that way, and we always want to honor Jesus in that way. Um, you'll also find little snippets and testimonies. I love what Terry and Vicki Phillips, they attend our PC campus right here. And on page six, they say, the chapel has fostered a closer relationship for us with the Lord and with others. One of our favorite avenues of, of growth is our small group. The gathering, it's connected us with individuals that we would have never, ever known. The chapel is truly a place where the Lord is honored and the body of Christ is strengthened for his glory. Thanks, uh, Terry and Vicki, for those kind words. But um, I, I actually get the emails because I help organize some of our small groups, and I see their, their group's interactions as they're sharing prayer requests. And I mean, these are people, they're, they're just sharing life, and they're, they're journeying with each other, and they're praying for each other, and they're helping each other out. And uh, so if you've never considered being a part of a small group, I want to encourage you to consider that too. But all, also, also, all, all kinds of great info in our annual report that we want to encourage you to take advantage of. All right? So uh, we are in, like I said before, the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, we've each week been looking at some of the gifts that Christ, when he came at Christmas, well, he came as a baby, but he came to provide so much into our lives. And, and we've talked about the gift of hope that we can have because of Christ and the gift of peace that we can have because of Christ. And this weekend, we lit the third candle that represents joy, and we want to think together about joy. And when you think about it, the Christmas story, man, it is a story of joy. In fact, it's a story of, the Bible says, great joy. If you remember the passage where the, the shepherds, they're just out watching their sheep and taking care of the animals, and it says in Luke chapter 2, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Well, of course they would be. They were shepherds. They're just out doing their job, and all of a sudden there's angelic beings, and it says they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people. He goes on. That joy, it's found in the Savior. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And, and you know the rest of the story. I mean, the shepherd's like, well, let's, let's go see this thing. And, 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 and they go, and later some wise men from the east come. They're following a star, and they all discover the joy of who Jesus was and what he can bring into our lives. And man, couldn't, couldn't we all use a little bit more joy? You know, at a time when we should be having fun and celebrating the season, we're stressed, and, we're, and, and honestly, you know, this is a time where, I mean, we're reminded of losses in our life, and there's, there's an empty chair around the Christmas table, 
This is a time of the year when many people, that maybe the rest of the year they're not facing this, but during this time of the year, they're, they're facing bouts of depression and anxiety. Couldn't we all use just a little bit more joy? I think, I think we know the answer to that. Yeah. And when I think about joy, I want us to kind of think about it in, in two categories. Of course, there's, there's joy as an emotion, right? It's the, it's the feel good. It's the woo, you know, it's the, the Browns won, woo, right? And then, then Ohio State loses and the joy is gone, right? But we were, we were, it was Christmas time, kind of, you know, December, like we're being, we were being kind. We we're being giving to Michigan, right? Spreading the joy, okay? Um, but yeah, the, the joy can be an emotion that can often be fleeting. You know, we, um, we, we get a raise and we're filled with joy, but then we find out a new work assignment that we've got to tackle and we're not looking forward to it at all and the joy's gone, right? Or, or uh, we, get, we, we, we get a present that we were not expecting for Christmas and it's so surprising and we're filled with joy. Or then we were really hoping for something that we didn't get and now the joy's gone, Right? Joy can be emotion, and emotions are good. God gives us those emotions. But the joy that we really want to talk about is not just an emotional joy. It's what I would call biblical joy. It's the joy that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 15 when he said, I told you these things so that, so that you will be filled with my joy. Okay, not just a human emotional joy, the joy of Christ himself. He says, yes, and your joy, as a result, it will overflow. Like, you won't be able to contain it. Don't we want a little bit more of that kind of joy? In Galatians, uh, Paul's writing to the church, and he's reminding them that this joy is a supernatural joy. He says it comes not even from yourself. It comes from the, the power of God's Spirit working in our lives. He says, and the, the, the Holy Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in our lives, love and peace and patience, and one of them is joy. It says this is a beyond the natural. It's a supernatural kind of joy. A joy that's not fleeting, a joy that's not temporary, a joy that's not just an emotion, a joy that's it's not from us, so we can still have it and experience regardless of what is happening to us. That kind of joy. A settled, somebody has defined it this way, a settled confidence that God is in control. I, I think of joy as like a, a, a ballast on a boat. Uh, when growing up on Lake Michigan, I worked in a, on a big 60-foot N-class wooden sloop, beautiful boat with all kinds of rich history. And I remember one time, uh, this, this was early on, I was only in eighth grade, I just started working, it was like one of the first times out in the water, and uh, we didn't have a, like a, a group of people with us that were chartering, it was just kind of a maiden voyage, and the, the, the captain, he's like, hey boys, go ahead, hop, you know, jump in, you know, so we're out in the middle of Lake Michigan, the beautiful blue waters, and uh, we, we jump off the boom into the, into the lake, and we think we're all that, and, and then one of the guys uh, of the crew, he's like, hey, let's swim underneath, and I'm like, oh, that sounds fun, let's do it, and we start swimming, and I bump into something, because <laughs> it's a sailboat with a fixed keel, I mean, all, the, the whole length of the, the boat, it goes down deep, like 12 feet and I'm starting to run out of breath, <laughs> and I'm starting to panic. 
But what I, what I learned in, in sailing is that, you know, when you use the wind and you use the waves, but if you don't have a ballast, if you don't have a centerboard, if you don't have something that's weighting down, that, that's like holding it all steady, you'll capsize. You'll go over. And I think that's what joy, the joy of Christ is like this ballast in our life that no matter how windy it gets or how rough the waters get, it just holds, it can hold us steady, a settled confidence that God is in control. So I want, to, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 or on your smartphone or we'll put some of the verses on the screen as well. And this is where we want to kind of camp out for a few moments. And Peter is writing to a group of people who, man, life had not been real easy. There had been some some hardships, some persecution, some battles, some trials. Peter himself, he had been through the ringer in so many ways. And so it's kind of interesting what he says in beginning in verse 6 of chapter 1 of his letter. He says, so be truly glad, he says, for there is wonderful joy ahead, even though, he says, you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials, he says, will show that your faith is genuine and it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith, he says, remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8, He says, you love him even though you've never seen him, and though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. (laughs) The reward for trusting him, he says, will be the salvation of your souls. Don't you want to know that kind of joy? Don't you want to experience that kind of joy no matter what you're going through. And I think that this passage could almost be encapsulated in one sentence, okay? And that sentence is this, joy is mine when I reflect, even in the midst of hardship, and follow Jesus. Joy is mine when I reflect, even in the midst of hardship, and continue to follow Jesus. So I want us to think about this, and then we'll look more closely at the text. That first phrase, joy is mine when I reflect. You see, when Peter writes verses 6 and following, he's actually reflecting on something else. In fact, verse 6 begins this, with this phrase, if you're using the New Living Translation, it says, so be truly glad. But the New International Version says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, or in all of this, you can be glad. And so it begs the question, well, what's the in all this? Well, that's what he is reflecting on in verses one, uh, 3 through 5. Peter says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again. What is Peter reflecting on? He's reflecting on God's mercy. He's reflecting on the fact that he's been born again, that he's been given a new birth, like a a whole new start in life. And so in a sense, Peter's saying we can can be glad, we we can rejoice when we reflect 
and think about all that God has done in our lives. He goes on in verse 4, he says, and we have a priceless inheritance. He's, he's like, we're rich. Do you know that? We're rich in Christ. We're rich in forgiveness. We're rich in hope and peace. He says, we need, to, we need to pause in the midst of trials and hardships, and we'll be able to have joy because we're reflecting. He says, in an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, like nothing can get at this. It's something that can never be taken away. So it should cause great joy, he says. I, I, was, I was thinking about, I was starting to reflect this week. And I was thinking about... Um, my upbringing, my family life, and in, in our family, we went to church, but nobody really, really knew Jesus. And then when I was 17, I realized all that God had done for me through Jesus, and I mean, it just radically changed my life. I think about, there's a, there's a verse in the New Testament that says, uh, and some of you, you were rescued you were rescued from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. Some of us in the room, we, we inherited, we were handed down a life, but it was an empty life. It was a life of dysfunction. It was a life of addiction. It was a life, I don't know, you name it, but it was empty. It wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. It wasn't all that you thought life would be. It wasn't all that you hoped that life would be. But the, the writer of Scripture says, but, but you rescued us. You rescued me from this empty way of life. It's what Peter's saying here. He's saying, listen, God, by your sheer mercy, we've been born again, a whole new life, a whole new start. Your mercy. Like, he's reflecting. He's like, man, I never did anything that could have remotely deserved what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. I think about that in my own life. Man, for some crazy, merciful reason, God looked down and he's like, I know that Nielsen family, but I'm going to do something in Todd. I'm going to make sure he knows how much I love him. I'm going I'm to rescue him. I'm going to change his life. His life is not going to be what it what it what it probably should have been. It's going to be so much different. And, and, and so Peter, he's reminding the people to look back, and that's what he's doing. He's reflecting, and he says, because of all this, we can, man, we can have great joy. Joy is mine when I reflect. Can you think back to that moment in your life where something clicked spiritually, when something happened in your heart and you were flooded with lo a love that you didn't know that was possible, when, uh, when you were in a hopeless situation and you just called out to God out of mere chance and circumstance and he filled your life with hope or he gave you peace in a moment. Man, the, you guys, we've got we've to reflect so that even when life gets hard, we can have joy. <laughs> It's not an emotional joy. It's not a joy that's just tied to the circumstances. It goes way beyond that. And, the, and, and the, our, our sentence says, joy is mine when I reflect, even in the midst of hardship. And that's what Peter goes down to write about. You've heard the, you know, the saying that at the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold? Not in this picture. That's a manure spreader. <laughs> Last night at our Sandusky campus, Pastor Jay said, you know, manure happens. 
See, he said it first, so I can't get in trouble for saying it today. But how many, man, how many of us, man, we, we got to the end of the rainbow, and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. You got that position or that job, and man, but it is not turning out like you thought it would. You got, you got that one that you thought was the one in the relationship, but man, it's not quite how you thought it was going to be, or you just wanted to have a, have a gaggle of kids because, oh, they're gonna, it's just going to be so much fun, and man, it's, it's, it's not been as easy as you thought it was going to be. Trials and, and hardships, and they come. Van Leeuwen says, the true test of a person's strength or mettle is adversity. He says, almost anyone can survive good times. Uh, Peter, he, he speaks of this. He says, so be truly glad because there's wonderful joy ahead, even though, he says, you must endure many trials for a little while. And he goes on, he says, these trials, they're going to show that your faith is genuine. Your faith, it's being tested, he says, as fire tests and purifies gold. And then he reminds us again, he's wanting us to reflect, going, listen, in your faith, it's worth more than anything you could ever buy. He says, so when your faith remains strong through the, through the trials, it's going to bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This, this brings us to a couple life lessons about trials and joy in the midst of the trials. One of the reasons we can have joy still is because our troubles, at least Peter says, only last for a while. Now, how many of us here are like, uh-uh, <laughs> like it doesn't feel like a little while, right? It doesn't. I know it. I'm with you in that. It doesn't feel like a little while. I, there's, there's one verse in the Bible that says, For our light and momentary troubles will far outweigh for us a glory that is yet to be revealed. And I'm like, it doesn't feel light, and it sure doesn't feel momentary sometimes. That, I mean, that has to do with, with perspective. <laughs> Billy Graham, he, he puts it this way. He says, when your trials come, and it will if you are a follow, following Christ, he says... You will be tried and tempted and shaken. But he says, when these trials come, act in light of eternity. See, so much of it is about perspective. Um, I called somebody this morning because I knew there would be some boaters. Somebody's got a rope out of Port Clinton campus. I need actually two volunteers. You're not, I'm not going to make you speak or do anything. I just need two people to hold a piece of rope. Anybody? Yes? Come on. Come on, my dude. What's your name? Alex. Alex. All right, Alex. And then I need, I have one more end here. Someone? Anyone? Thank you. Mark, appreciate it. And you guys go ahead and stretch that out. Yeah. I, I mean, it'd be great if this was even longer because cause the, the, the rope, it, it represents eternity. And maybe you've seen this illustration before uh, or, or heard somebody else share it. But man, it, it I need to like, be reminded of this so often. Let's pretend like this rope is all of eternity, okay? This is like forever and ever. And so really, it would just keep going on. We wouldn't even have to have anybody hold it. It, just, it would just keep going, okay? And uh, Peter says, um, but your troubles, they're, they're light. They're, they're momentary. They're, they're temporary. So let's, let's just pretend like, um, okay, let's say... 
this inch is our life in comparison to eternity. It starts to put it in perspective, doesn't it? Um, but this life, this is all we know. And I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, I'm almost 50 years old. It's like, it's, I've been around a while. I'm getting, getting there, you know, like I'm getting towards there, you know. Like, um, but our life is all we know. And and maybe maybe it's fifty, maybe it's sixty, maybe it's seven, maybe if we're lucky, ninety, maybe man, I'm shooting for a hundred. And it's pretty small though. And then you think about well our trials. So that that means like, okay, if that's my life, the trials are even just like, I don't know, maybe a centimeter of the inch. That is my life. And it's like Peter's saying, first, he says, you can have joy if you reflect and just think about all that God's already done in, in there. But then he's saying, don't forget this, there's so much more. And so compared to eternity, your my trial, it is short. Man, it's I mean, it's barely anything, guys. But I know because guess what? When you're in a trial, it's just like this, isn't it? It's like, oh, gosh. It's just everything. But Peter's reminding us that we are created as eternal beings to, to experience God's grace and love forever and ever and ever and ever. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, then we have that hope of forever. And so we got to keep it in perspective. Thanks, you guys, so much. You're awesome. Sorry, all the boaters are going to be like, Todd, why would you even do that? It looks terrible, huh? I know, I do know, I worked on a sailboat, I told you. I know how to wrap it up properly. We'll do that later, okay? A uh, second lesson is that our troubles refine our faith and make us stronger. There's a purpose to that centimeter that is the trial, And when we know that God loves us and he's in control of all things, even when we don't understand it or can't explain it, we can have joy because we realize that God's doing something. He's refining our faith. The writer James, he he talks about this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I think, James, are you crazy? Like, consider it an opportunity for great joy, like hot dog, cancer. I don't think he's being flippant. He, he's trying to point us to eternity in view. He's also trying to point us to the fact that God loves us. And so if he's allowing something in our life, and even when it's hard and horrible, that he will use it somehow. He goes on in verse 3. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He says, so let it grow. Don't, he's saying, don't fight it. Let it grow. Peter, he talks about it in our key passage. He says, these trials, they're going to show that your faith is genuine. Problems prove our faith. It says, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. You know how that happens? They they heat it up. (laughs) They melt it. And the purpose of of purifying gold, it's not to do, it doesn't do anything different to the gold. 
it, it, it heats it up to a point when all the impurities that are in the gold rise to the surface so that the impurities can be skimmed off the top and the, the, the person working on it will do that over and over and over and over again. That's why sometimes what's a little while feels kind of long until they can finally look into the gold and start to see their own reflection and they know that there's no more impurities. They're trying to purify it. And, and, and God, I think, it's like he's, he's allowing things in our lives sometimes. And we can have joy because we know that the, the image is becoming clear. And you know what? It's, it's, it's not my reflection. It's not your reflection. He's... he's, he's He's skimming off the dross and the selfishness and the, the pride and the sinful attitude and so that when we look down, what we see in the reflection is, is not us. It's, it's more and more of Jesus. And we can rejoice in that. Because when we're, when we're growing to be more like Jesus, we will have more of his kind of joy in our life. Joy is mine when I reflect, even in the midst of hardship. And finally, and I'd even add, continue to follow Jesus. Because in the midst of the trials, if we're going to have joy, it's going to mean pressing through and continuing, staying faithful, hanging in there. Peter says, you love him, and even though you've never seen him, Though you do not see him now, you trust him. He's saying you're walking in faith for a Jesus that you've never seen face to face. That doesn't make sense in our world. Like I was just talking, there's, there's a, a couple at our first service and they just got engaged. And I said, you know, I mean, if I've heard of long distance relationship, but you ever been in a relationship with somebody they fell in love with and you've never even seen them? Like, I don't know, I got to have a little bit of X factor. I mean, I hey, trust me, when I, Lisa caught my eye, and I was like, hmm, dang, she's cute. And of course, a marriage and a relationship, it's so much more than that, but you want to know, see, experience the person. And, 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 and P, uh, Peter's writing, and he says, and he's writing to this group of believers, and he says, you guys are continuing to trust Jesus even though you can't see him because that's what you got to do, especially when, when what you do see is all of the trials and the hardships. In verse 9, he says, and the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So he's again, he, he, he begins by saying, reflect and think about everything that God's done in your life. And then in the middle of your inch and the centimeter that is the hardship and the trial, uh, remember that... You, He's, he's, he's forming something in you so you can have joy in that. And then, man, keep the long view in mind. Look down the way. Eternity is what we long for and what we have to hope in. And it's an eternity with Jesus. And it's an eternity where he wipes every tear from our eyes. It's an eternity where there's no more sickness and there's no more sorrow and there's no more centimeters of trial and sorrow and hardship. You know, we sing the song uh, during the season, Joy to the World, and I'm not talking about the joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea, joy for, not, that, not that joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You know, when that hymn was originally written, it, it really wasn't meant to be a Christmas carol. 
It wasn't really speaking about joy to the world, the Lord, like Jesus came in a manger. It's pointing to the second coming of Christ, that Jesus, he, he came and he accomplished his purpose on the cross to redeem people and to provide the possibility of even joy in the here and now, but the promise of God's truth is that he's coming yet again, and our joy will be absolutely uncontainable beyond anything that we could ever dream of. So we keep the long view in mind, joy to the world. Scott Drew, he was the, he's the basketball coach of um, Baylor University, and they won the NCAA finals this past spring. And he wrote a book called The Road for Joy. And in the book, he gives us a pathway towards joy. He says, you know, if you just put Jesus first and others second, it's just like it says in the Bible, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you have that order right, then life is a lot more rewarding, fulfilling, and he says, and people want to be around you a whole lot more, that's for sure. He was interviewed, and uh, they, were, they were asking him about, I mean, this, I mean, this is a secular interview, and they're saying, so I've heard about this culture of joy with your team. How do you, how do you get that? And it's an old adage, and it's maybe even a little bit corny, but he says, he says it's about Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You want to have joy, it's found in Jesus, and Jesus first. That's, that's, that's the way beyond the emotional joy. This is, this is the ballast of our life in the midst of everything. And it's when we put others first, when we find our purpose in, in serving other people. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And then when we put ourselves last, and Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself. I think about the words from Hebrews chapter 12 too, speaking about Jesus. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, or the joy set before him, he what? He endured the cross. He went through the centimeter of suffering for the joy set before him. He knew there was more. There was a greater purpose. And you guys, whatever you're going through, and I'm having to believe this in my own life right now too, whatever we are going through, there is a purpose. And joy is possible if we reflect and don't forget everything that God's already done. And joy is possible even in the midst of the trials because he's using it to shape us, to make us more like Jesus, to refine our faith. And joy is possible, yeah, when we continue to follow him. And live for the rope, not just the inch. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reminders of these truths from your word that we, we need. Lord, there's people in the room that are just hurting and lonely and suffering and experienced losses and, or they're going through great trials we're not going to find the temporary emotional joys. That will escape us. So by your spirit and your power, through your love, would you help us to, to put you first, serve others next, and we'll 
quickly lose sight of our own selves and we will discover a joy in the midst of it all. To that end, we're asking for your help. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.